Once again, we're very thankful to be joined by Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst. Patrick, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you, Will, for having me on. We want to visit with you today, as we did yesterday with Senator Bryant, about the upholding of the Safety Act by the Illinois Supreme Court as constitutional. Um, First question, really, is just to get your reaction to that news. Well, I was disappointed uh, in the result. I felt like the state's attorneys and sheriffs who brought the case forward and made the arguments in court, they made a good case. Uh, I felt like their position was the correct one. I agreed with the lower court's ruling. Of course, the uh, Illinois Supreme Court, in this matter at least, has the the final say, and uh, their interpretation of the state constitution is different than uh, what the lower court's was and the way I read it. Uh, So... With that ruling, a five to two uh, means that uh, the Safety Act is going to go into effect fully uh, in 60 days, and particularly the, the no cash bail portion or the elimination of cash bail. Um, so we will see here fairly soon how this is going to work in practice. I felt that it was very comical, and I'm, I'm really using that word intentionally, that the liberal majority on the Supreme Court used a very strict, very textualist uh, reading of the Illinois Constitution in order to find that bail in the Constitution did not necessarily have anything to do about money. Yet, you know, despite the fact that we've got, you know, over a a century of, of practice of bail and multiple places in state statute, we talk about percentages of bail and you cannot you know they talk about it being uh, other sureties but I, I don't think anybody ever thought that people were bailing themselves out of jail by giving you know the government 10 percent of the recliner that they have at home um, so I, I wonder if you have any thoughts on just sort of the way that the majority crafted their opinion well I in, in looking at it, looking at the statute and the Constitution in particular, I uh, agree. I think most people who would look at that, particularly non-lawyers, when reading the, the sections of the Constitution that were in question, would say, well, that's referring to some financial uh, obligation that a person is uh, incurring. Either You can't put up property as a surety as well as paying cash, although you know, I was a prosecutor for 14 years. Uh, I don't recall a time when property was actually used surety uh every time bail was posted it was cash or um, some money was put forward so i think anyone reading that um just on his plain language that's talking about posting money uh, a monetary amount and uh of course the majority of opinion went beyond the, the plain reading and it gave further definition to the word bail meaning that basically means release and surety means essentially some obligation, which could even be a promise to comply where I kind of in reading that full constitutional provision of article one, section nine, it refers to things which are not bailable uh, under certain circumstances. And if bail means release and surety means a promise to comply, why are these other um, offenses listed if any any offense other than those listed can potentially be held without bail, without a promise to comply, without, of course, money. So it, to me, if you look at the plain language of that section in the Constitution, 
it it uh, suggests that there is money being posted, and under certain circumstances, someone could be held without the ability to post money, without being given that ability. Uh, that, to me, is the plain reading of it. Uh, of course, the court disagreed with that and made uh, clear its reasoning. And then there's also the Crime Victims' Bill of Rights, which is a more recent addition to our state constitution. And uh, it also references bail and fixing the amount of bail, which when you say the amount of bail, it's pretty clear that's referring to an amount of money and the victim having a right to uh, be involved in that process. So the dissent uh, by Justice Overstreet gave a a lengthy uh, explanation as to why that is what it says it is, what the plain language says it is. Um, In fact, the dissenting opinion was actually longer than the majority opinion. Not that that necessarily means anything, but there was a longer discussion in the dissenting opinion on some of these issues. Uh, Of course, I lined up in my view of it along the lines of what the dissenting opinion had, had put forward. Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst with us now. The question moving forward becomes, how do the various uh, states' attorneys across this state function financially? Because I was reading Capital Facts this morning, $20.9 million was paid in bonds during fiscal year 2022 for accused criminal felons, criminal misdemeanors, uh, domestic violence perpetrators, and DUI offenders. Uh, counties get uh, 10% off the top of those bonds, and those who are found guilty usually end up forfeiting their bonds for fines and fees. So, you know, I don't know how to project out what the loss of revenue is going to be, but it will certainly be something. And, you know, your local officials, as you know, are going to have to try to figure out how to bridge that gap. That's exactly right. There, there are two or at least two things that uh, I see immediately. One is, as you've uh, clearly outlined, the loss of revenue uh, to the justice system through the use of bail. The other is the Safety Act components with uh, the pretrial provisions make for a much shorter time frame where decisions and court proceedings are going to occur. Uh, typical proceedings that may happen over months will now be expected to happen with the matter, within the at least a month, if not a matter of days. So what I believe will occur is if the court system continues to operate similarly to the way it has, there will be a need for additional assistant state's attorneys, public defenders, and potentially even judges, as well as uh, assistant clerks or deputy clerks in the circuit clerk's office and other staff, just to make the system operate or function. Uh, Now, if there isn't those additional resources, uh, there's going to be a few things that will happen. One is, and by resources, I mean, if there's an additional money coming from the state, that will mean the, the local property taxpayer will be expected to pay more rather than those who are in the criminal justice system and violating the law. It will be spread out throughout the entire uh, community so that uh, we're people in the community are paying more in taxes. And, you know, I have to think back to something I remember from 20, say, 13 to 2016 or so. This bill, in my opinion, stems back to that time whenever there was a lot of reporting about the Cook County Jail holding people for 600, 700 days because they were not uh, functioning efficiently. And you did have people being held for rather minor offenses for much longer than they would have ever been sentenced if they were convicted for those crimes. 
simply because the justice system wasn't operating effectively and they couldn't post bail. And that was a, a problem, no doubt. And But, you know, instead of, you know, focusing singularly there, we, you know, several years later end up here. Am I attaching to points of information in any way correctly there? No, I think uh, a lot of the efforts we see at criminal justice reform in our state are designed to correct problems in the Cook County court system, which are largely not being experienced throughout the state. Uh, so in a smaller jurisdiction, even the smallest Jacks or the size of Jackson County, or, and then smaller than that, something like Massac or Johnson counties, the prosecutors or the defense attorneys, the people who are working in the system, pretty well know everyone that they're dealing with in the system. So for good or for bad, that we just know each other in our communities more than you're going to know someone in a community or a jurisdiction of millions of people. And so that means it's less likely for somebody to get lost in the system uh, in a smaller jurisdiction where they will sit in jail for months or potentially even years waiting trial when the case uh, sometimes even ends up being dismissed at the end of that period of time. So it's, the Cook County court system is such a large jurisdiction, such a large system that there are problems that occur within it that aren't occurring other places in the state. And so, you know, we're, again, doing something much like the minimum wage, not the same type of legislation, but applying something statewide to correct a problem that had its genesis there that doesn't exist in many of these other places of the state of Illinois. Um, so, um, really, there's nowhere to go from here in terms of further legal um wrangling uh, there'll be no appeal of this to the u.s supreme court i don't suppose no uh the supreme court has uh previously ruled that it defers to state courts the state supreme court and any interpretation of state constitution so this uh, lawsuit was brought solely on state constitutional grounds and uh, the u.s supreme court would not upset that interpretation by the illinois supreme court so as it relates to the state constitutional interpretation uh, the matter is is uh, resolved at the moment there's potential uh, excuse me there's potential moving forward uh, that there could be some federal constitutional claim uh, by a criminal defendant who's held uh, without bail uh, that uh, in some way that violates the eighth amendment uh, that's going to be um, something that would occur, obviously, later after the implementation with a specific defendant. And it's possible there are certain aspects of the, the Safety Act that could violate the U.S. Constitution, but that uh, obviously that will be something that will be either come up or decided much later than now. Well, in the life of a uh, state representative in Southern Illinois, of course, this is the time when you're back in the district uh, addressing constituent concerns. Not that you're not doing that all the time, even when you're in session. But uh, what, looking forward, uh, what's on the radar screen for you? Well, we have been making efforts to be throughout the district now that we're uh, sort of on break, uh, waiting on the veto session this fall. So, so yesterday I was in Golconda and Cave and Rock for traveling office hours. Uh, next month I'll be um, in Johnson City and um, Crab Orchard for uh, Crab Orchard Library for some traveling office hours. Just allows people to come and meet with me without having to make an appointment in my office in Harrisburg 
or uh, try to make some other arrangement to meet with me. It just makes me available to hear their concerns, take those issues forward, either draft legislation, work with the state agency to try to resolve it. And uh, that's uh, something our office tried to do since I've uh, since I've been in office. Um, actually, this week on Thursday, I'll be uh, celebrating those students who uh, participated in my summer reading program. We'll be at the uh, Thrillbillies game in Marion, and uh, those who uh, participated in the program will be there, have a parent with them, go to the ball game, and uh, get a certificate from the House of Representatives thanking them and congratulating them for completing it. So there's a lot of different things that are going on, uh, all designed to stay connected with uh, within the district. I heard a rumor that you are actually available for middle relief uh, for the Thrillbillies. <laughs> Well, you know, if if they need somebody kind of as a mop-up, I'd be willing to step in. I mean, if if the game was out of hand either way, it would probably be the best time to bring me in. Uh, Close game probably wouldn't be a good idea, uh, especially if you're hoping to win it. What are you hitting on the radar gun these days? I mean, I know you had a time when... (laughs) If if I could get uh, into the 70s at this point, I think I would be very happy with myself. (laughs) Uh, That might be pushing it. All right, well... Maybe we'll have to um, join you over there at the game and bring a radar gun, and we'll, we'll see what your what the reality is of that. So, yeah, please don't hold me to that. Okay, all right. Patrick Windhorse has been our guest today. Representative, thank you so much for the time. Oh, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity.